I think of if I would have been insistent on pushing her into sports, like what is that going to, how does that change our relationship? What trauma would that cause? Exactly. Right. She doesn't want to do it. And I get you, you know, (laughs) again, it's, it's a tough thing to navigate. There's a line. So yeah. You don't want to just keep her from things that make her uncomfortable. You want, you want, yeah. You want to, you know, avoid everything. Right. You don't want (sighs) to, there's that line between encouraging and doing harm. That as a parent, I think you're constantly navigating around yeah. that line. Yeah, it's finding that balance of you, you want her to be inspired and do the things she wants to do. And we also know, obviously, the, the way life is. I mean, you have to sometimes do things you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's not like all about doing everything we want to do in every moment of the day. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Episode 23, What I Don't Tell My Daughter. Isn't that Mm. how it goes, Diane? The things I don't tell my daughter. The things I don't tell my daughter. Yep. Here with my partner in crime, Diane, once again. Hi, Al. Hi. So we were just talking a little bit about the things I don't tell my daughter. And it the whole idea came from... When people talk about what they are doing or how they are and who they are and how what kind of person they are, and then they don't act that way. Right. When there's an incongruency between what they say and the behavior. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Just act. You don't need to verbalize how you are. Just be who you are and I'll see how you are. Right. And it goes back to that quote that how you act or who you are speaks so loud. I can't hear what you say. What you're doing speaks so loud. Like, yeah. What you're- I can't hear what you're saying. And so we've talked about the majority, the vast majority, more than 90% of communication is nonverbal. Yes. And people give away a lot of information with how they are being rather than what they are saying. And as a writer, I love words, but like words can only go so far. I mean, how you're being speaks louder than often what we're saying. Yeah. And I think sometimes it works in the reverse too. Sometimes people speak so like they believe their own bullshit so much and they, wa- they walk around the world telling this story and people believe them. And then yeah. they just don't act in those ways. So for instance, I'm going to do a hypothetical. This is nobody out there that I know. An ex-husband's basically <laughs> going on and on about how great of a father he is and then just mm-hmm. not following through. You know, that kind of thing where it's just, you're just constantly verbalizing how great you are, how good you're, how good you're doing. And then you're just not doing any of the behaviors or actions that are, like you said, congruent with that. Right. Um, integrity. Holy shit. Integrity. Yeah. That word. <laughs> do what you say you're going to do. Like, how is this so 
freaking hard for people. Yeah. Like say you're going to do something, do it. Or if you say you're not going to do something, don't do it. Yeah. And if anything, just don't talk about something that then don't say anything. Like just say nothing. (laughs) You're going to say you're going to do something and then not do it. It's just (laughs) completely, yeah, there's no integrity there. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the daughter part of it. Right. I just always thought I picked up on so many cues from my parents, every nuance. I mean, I think all kids do this. You mm-hmm. see how they're acting to each other. You're seeing yeah. how they act to neighbors, to friends, how they, to the wait staff at restaurants. That's the huge one. Like the wait staff in a restaurant. Like my dad was so, Oh, it was just the most annoying and like uncomfortable and embarrassing experience to be around him in a restaurant because he would always order things that were not on the menu. Mm, he was that customer. So, <laughs> here you go. Here's, here's the menu. He might as well not give him the menu. He's not looking at it. He's going to, and he's going to blatantly order something that's on, not on it. Wow. Like he would literally order like ice cream at the end of a meal. And guess what flavor he would order? It was called buttered almonds. Not even uh, butter pecans. More actually traditional. It's more widespread. I mean, even that's a little bit <laughs> off the chart. No, it's buttered almonds. Have you ever even heard of that ice cream before? I have not. No. Well, there's an ice cream called buttered almond. I think you can get it in one supermarket in all of Long Island. <laughs> and at every restaurant, my dad would ask for that ice cream. And then he would be like, "Oh, what do you? You don't have buttered almonds?" I'm like, "This is the most embarrassing experience." Mm-hmm. And so all these things, <laughs> I guess. We, we ended the off point. like our conversation <laughs> <laughs> saying it's sometimes your parents are put on this earth so to show you, know. you what not to do. Yes. How not to behave in the world. And so we've talked, you and I've talked about, you are one of the parents that I have actually spoken about in other podcasts that I've been a part of as being a highly intentional parent. And I've dated men that are this way as well, that they're very aware of how they were treated and what they observed growing up. And then with their own children, they are very intentional about not behaving in those same ways, about not repeating the patterns, about breaking the cycle, about creating a new paradigm and modeling new ways of being in the world. As someone who doesn't have kids, I mean, I'm a proud aunt. Aunt is my favorite title ever. Yeah. But I appreciate as a human in the world, and like I really appreciate the people who are very intentional about breaking cycles and creating new paradigms and modeling different ways of being for the children that are growing up in the world. You don't want to, I I mean, I always think of when people talk about like their childhood, like we, you talk about a lot about um, family of origin, family of origin. (laughs) I I, I take the words right out of it. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. Yeah. Family of origin. And, but I think a lot of the storylines most people have is how detrimental the experiences were or like, well, I'm I'm traumatized because of the way my parents were, or they did this to me. And I have that too. Yep. But you could also flip that script and say, all right, well, they also taught you what not to do. Right. Right. Where's the opportunity? It's where is that mining those darker life experiences for the wisdom and the insight and how can we use that going forward? Yeah, like thank you, Dad, for showing me how not to act in a restaurant. <laughs> I love that your dad's showing up now because we haven't talked on the podcast much about your dad, but you and no. I have had a lot of off-air conversations about him. And I have told you, like, I'm actually appreciative that I never met the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish and I just met to, your mom, but not your well, dad. you gotta you gotta understand like his origin. So he like he was 
literally off the boat from Sicily at age 13. Mm -hmm. He was thrown into an all English speaking school in New York where people made fun of him and, you know, just live like a tough life. And then, you know, did everything from painting houses to driving taxis to, you know, finally getting a job as a mechanic. And he worked in the city of New York in the Bronx. He commuted every day, most of the time left at 5 a.m. A lot of the times got home at 8.30 at night, like lived a really tough life, you know, on any, you know, measure. Like he, it was a very tough And that was existence. his life experience to navigate. But he did it in a way that he made choices as to how he navigated it. And yes, then gave you examples of his behavior. Yeah. Like one of the ways, he, you know, the way he treated my mother was just, it was just kind of like this, he needed somebody to take his shit out on and she was the She person. was the target. Yeah. And it wasn't physical abuse or anything like that, but it was just like a sort of this emotional kind of. Sometimes the emotional abuse is more damaging. I think as so. As someone who has been on the receiving end of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, it only took me three years to like consider dating because the emotional trauma. Yeah. I got to know contact with my ex-husband again. Um, <laughs> I got to know contact with him just over three years ago. Yeah. And it took a, a couple of years after we, he and I got to know contact for me to be healed enough to actually consider another relationship. It was a long time because yeah. he was definitely on the narcissist spectrum. Mm. Self-absorbed. You wouldn't have liked him. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a guy I would like. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. back to your daughter. So having a daughter or just having a child in general um, and going through a divorce when the child's young. So young, yeah. you know, my daughter was two when we got divorced mm-hmm. and I wasn't, obviously wasn't not proud. That's not the right word. I mean, I, it was a very like, turbulent time you're going through the divorce and being at odds with you know my daughter's mom and just like it was very like i stories between. of your divorce right so i've told you all you. these stories and but <laughs> i'm very proud of what you know me and her mom came to after after like we butted heads for a year a couple of years it was like on a dime it turned i was like everything's good everything's good because now we're both on board we're all about this kid with parenting this child and raising her in an intentional way, growing up in this turbulent world that we live in and, and modeling each of you modeling for your daughter. And as soon as our relationship was taken out of it, meaning me and the ex-wife, it was like, now we were like a team for like a common cause, you know, it was collaborative. Yeah. And it was like, it was one of those things where, I haven't gotten to an argument with my ex. I can't remember the last time. I mean, literally, I just, all I remember is like the lead up to the divorce, yep. the actual divorce. And then at some point, like very soon after that, everything was just good. And literally we have not argued one. Like there hasn't been one, like if she wants more time with her, absolutely go for it. If I want more time with her, yeah, that's fine. Yep. If, you know, we start talking about schooling or how we should be parenting or diet. Right. I'm always lit. Like it's never, we never butt heads on anything. I mean, my ex is a vegetarian. I'm not. She doesn't care if my daughter eats meat here. Right. I don't care if you don't feed her meat there. I'm like, whatever you want. It's okay. Like, there's so few, there's no battles to pick anymore. 
Because there's no more relationship. There's no more romantic. There's no more intimate relationship. The intimate relationship has been removed from the equation. And it becomes this beautiful relationship. It's the weirdest thing. It's like we've gotten along so much better than when we were married being apart. Mm-hmm. And I hate, I, I almost don't like saying this because it makes it sound like anybody doesn't, <laughs> yeah, anybody has a kid, you just get divorced because then you can work separate and you're not like at odds with each other. But I just think of how different a kid Mia would be if we weren't this way. If you were still married, unhappily. Still mar- and we're just butting heads and arguing. And what all the would time. that be modeling for your child, for your daughter? Exactly. Just stay, just stay, just put up with it. It's good enough. This person is good enough. What is, I mean, kids pick up on the nonverbal. Their kids are very perceptive yeah. and they're watching. They're always watching. And you talk about that in the post, like the yeah. awareness that they're always watching you and your behavior and how you're being, not just yeah. what you're saying. And they tend to model that. They tend to emulate, you know, what you're doing. It's It rubs off on them without you saying anything. You don't have to say a word. They're just... Start- but at the same time, they're their own individual person. Like, yes. And so we, it talks about in the post, like, people who like, are trying to live vicariously through their, through their children. It's like, good luck with that. Because they're their own individual beings. Yes. They're unique. They're not you. They're not a carbon copy of you. Yeah. They're going to have their own interests and their own hobbies and their own personality. It, it, they're not, you don't have a child expecting it to be a replica of you. Cause if that's the expectation, you're going to be disappointed. It's true. And I, I think also if you have expectations of just, you know, something like practical, like we always wanted, I always played sports as a kid, everything, mm-hmm. everything from soccer to Everything, tennis, volleyball, track and field, cross country. I did all of it, like, you know, basketball mm-hmm. one season. And I always thought that's just what you did as a kid. So, like, with me, I was like, well, what sport do you want to do? And she's like, I don't want to do any of them. <laughs> I'm like, really? You don't want to do any of them? She's like, all, she's like, I'm just interested in, I like drama. I like dance, which I guess is somewhat of a sport. Uh, but she likes yeah. dance and performance. So, like, all everything having to do with acting and singing and performing, that's her mm-hmm. thing. And then I finally wrapped my head around. I'm like, why does she have to do a sport? She doesn't have, I just had it in my brain that that's what kids did. Mm. And then once I finally realized, I'm like, well, that's not what she's interested in. And this is what she really likes. And I'm going to encourage her to do that. Instead of forcing it, jamming it down her throat, like you got to like join this league and that league and do this. And I'll, you know, why, why do you have to? Check all the boxes. I understand you have to be healthy. I get it. Or you have to be physically active. I get it. Yeah, but yeah. I think some people like sort of like talk about sports for kids that, oh, well, they have to learn how to play on a team and they have to learn how to win and lose and they have to learn how to competition. And I'm like, do they? Well, I mean, I I think being in theater is being on a team. I was never athletic in high school. I didn't find running until my 20s. Mm. Yeah. And people ask me, they're always like, because I'm very tall. They're like, were you, did you play basketball? I'm like, no, I never had any interest in that. Right. I'm the writer. I'm like, oh, let me play with words. That's where my creative pursuits yeah. and interests lie. Not in like going to the football game. Like I was just never interested in that. Yeah. And I, I think of if I would have like been insistent on pushing her into sports, like what is that right. gonna how does that change what our trauma relationship? would that cause? Exactly. Right. Like, she doesn't want to do it. So, and I get you, you know, <laughs> again, it's it's a tough 
thing to navigate. There's a line. So yeah. You don't want to just keep her from things that make her uncomfortable. You want you want, yeah, you wanna you know avoid everything. Right. You don't wanna there's that line between encouraging and doing harm that as a parent, I think you're constantly navigating around yeah. that line. Yeah, it's finding that balance of you, you want her to be inspired and do the things she wants to do. And we also know, obviously, the, the way life is. I mean, you have to sometimes do things you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's not like all about doing everything we want to do in every moment of the day. It just doesn't... The mortgage payment needs to be paid later today. <laughs> they appreciate right. when I make the payment every month. Yeah. Sure. Just cleaning. You like know, adulting. Like the, yeah. Daily maintenance of your body and your, like, your surroundings. And yeah, like those things have to be done. You don't necessarily want to do them, but you know... Yeah. Or like just interacting with people, being uncomfortable with saying hello to a stranger, you know, like <laughs> introducing yourself I or don't that issue anymore. <laughs> like people just No. <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah. This is what social quarantine has done to introverts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the cashiers, I'm like, tell me how you're doing today. <laughs> and people do. So getting back to the parenting part here. Diane has a friend that she told me about. Yeah. That is just like, you know, one of those people always on their cell phone but oh, yeah. will like go to like, you know, a Starbucks and literally like the barista will ask him for his order and like, he'll take a call and he'll put up a finger. Like, <sighs> almost like, Oh, it's like, so. Entitled. What an asshole. Yeah. Like he's online and like, he's just like the center of the universe, right? Like uh, what I'm doing is more important. Yeah. And he's like that, like with, you know, with me, like with like, uh, I'm sorry with you. <laughs> Her friends, you know, like you'll just be in the middle, like talking and he'll be like, oh, hold on. And then like, he'll take something else. I'm like, who does that? It's like, who just like kind of, it's almost like he's, he's toggling, like what, while you're in the middle of like an interaction, mm-hmm. the attention will completely go away from you to something else. And you're just on hold. Or it's like those people that ever call you, like they call you on the phone mm-hmm. and they talk for a second. They're like, all right, hold on a second. Yeah. Wait, you called me. Right. You just called me. Now I'm on hold for you. How does that work? Yeah. So your friends, this particular person that we're talking about. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. Friend is a strong word. Acquaintance. Friend. Okay. <laughs> Acquaintance. We'll say. I have boundaries too. <laughs> you you wouldn't. Well, you would believe how his children act. Oh. Like so. Yeah. So the children are just like raucous and like just you know all over the place and attention seeking and loud and obnoxious. Where do you think they get it from? Where do you think they get it from? It's just a mimicking of the of the parent. It's like, well, you, and the parents not doing it in the way they're doing it, but the parents just kind of like oblivious. They're just being their self absorbed self, right? And modeling for children how to be in the world, right? He's doing the adult version; they're doing the child version. Yeah, and the cycle goes on and on, and how fun for the rest of us in the world. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back that I'm like, you know parent of the year or anything or super parents. Super dad. But I see my daughter and she's like kind, kind, polite, engaging, thoughtful. Like she's like, she's in the moments. Yeah. I haven't met your daughter, but she leans a little bit on the people pleasing side, which, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I think she sees like that, you know, my, her mom and myself like are very polite to everyone. And so she mimics that. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's friends with a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I know at school, she just got all different types of friends, which is just what I was like as a kid too. 
you know, I was friends with like people that freaking smoke pot and, and the jocks and the nerds and the, I can all the different, that. like, yeah, it was just kind of like I had my, yeah, I was just friends with everybody. A wide so. variety of connections. Yeah. And she's totally picked up on, or she's, that's maybe just the way she is. Maybe that's inherited trait. I don't know. Yeah. And that's why I'm pulling you into my circle of friends. I'm like, here, I'll share. Like, yeah, I think you'd like all of them because absolutely every connection that I've shared with you has worked out well. Totally has. That's so true. Well, because you asked me, you're like, how do you know all these people? I'm like, I just talk to people. Like, I know I can't go anywhere in Charlotte without running into someone that I know. Mm. I've been thinking, especially being quarantined like this, like I've been thinking a lot about getting out and like, I got to like make believe that I just moved here once again. Like when I first moved to Charlotte, mm-hmm. You know, I joined like two different leagues. I just reached out to a lot of different, and I made friends. All the friends, most of the friends I have today are from that initial surge of like trying to get out to meet people. Mm-hmm. I really haven't done much of that over the years, except for like work people. And, you know, once you have like kids, it's like it kind of takes away from your social life a little bit. But I'm like, I got to get back to that. Like, I need to like, so I, li- I literally got on like Charlotte meetup and just like found like a hiking group. I'm like, I got to go hiking. Like, once a month, go hiking, go meet some new people. Yeah. You know, make some new friends. I think it's time. So it's, and th- this is like <laughs> be, being in solitary confinement has made me realize like when things open up, like you got to get out there, like stop and being connect a- with people. Yes, you do. Like I'll mm-hmm. talk to anyone. I go literally about each and every day, even in freaking social quarantine. And I just talk to people. I'm like, how are you doing today? And people. That's all you have to do. That's right. And using people's names, like I'll be at a bar and I'll be like, the bartender, you know, what's your name? Because I love that question Mm -hmm. and people appreciate you using their name. Oh yeah, they do. It's like the most beautiful word to them. Yeah. It's like, wow. Exactly. It's definitely more engaging. Yeah. So anyway, back to your daughter. Um, So we were talking about also, like, I try to be so contrarian with my daughter just because she's here, like, I feel like all parents spew out the same shit to their kids. All right, you got to get good grades. You got to go to college and you got to, and it's like this, like a lineup oh, of God. things they have to do. And I, I honestly tell her that I'm like, or you ask her, she, she's like, dad, I did all my homework. I'm like, great. Good. Dad, I didn't do my homework. I don't, I don't care. It's up to you. I mean, it's on you. Like I, I'll so help you. So you allow you her to help. experience consequent, natural consequences. I try to, it's hard. It's very difficult. Like for instance, you know, she would forget things, you know, so she would forget, forget a paper and then she'd be texting and like saying, I forgot my paper. I'm like, sometimes I would come, you know, get, get her the paper. And sometimes I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but I definitely lean towards the side of like, no, this is on, I mean, you're getting your grades is on you. Yeah. Don't, you have no expectations from me. If you don't want to go to college, don't go to college. Right. Every every parent I feel like I know has, I mean, I'd say 99% of them, my kids going to college. I'm like, I don't think, I don't know. Some of the most successful people in the world never went to college. I did. It was a very expensive piece of paper. Yeah. I don't see it as a prerequisite to, you know, it depends on whatever field you want to get into, but. Well, you and I. (laughs) Real estate and financial advisory. Guess what? Don't need a. Guess what? We both got psychology degrees and all you need is a high school diploma though. Sales. <laughs> like, wait, how did that happen? Like of all the careers that you and I ended up in. Well, you just think of like the time freedom. Like, so I feel like college is almost in a lot of ways, just like 
gearing these kids up for like corporate America. Oh, it totally is. It's a total structure. Right? It's a traditional structure. And the patriarchy is dying very loudly right now. Yeah, but it's a traditional structure and it's the expectation. Well, this is what you do. Like you finish high school, you check that box and then you go to college and get a degree. And then you go work in corporate America and then you get married and then you have right. 2.5 children with the dog and the white picket fence. And then you slowly, yeah, and then then you, you like slowly resent your own life. Start and, waiting for your spouse to die. Or your goals go to shit. And then maybe there's know. a different, maybe there's an alternative way to be in the world. Maybe there's different ways to live. Maybe I think, you know, divorce is such a big topic, but I think parents who are, successfully intentionally co-parenting beyond divorce are modeling a really healthy alternative way of being in the world instead of staying in an unhealthy relationship. Because mm-hmm. who says that there's one person that you're supposed to be with for the rest of your life? So too. Well, obviously we're not saying that. So. <laughs> I mean, but th- this is the weird thing because, and this is the slippery slope because we talk about this kind of thing Mm-hmm. And I'm a hundred, I feel like I'm a hundred percent unbiased in the fact that I'm watching it play out in my life. I know that the relationship I had with my ex is better than it ever was when we were, we just it didn't, we couldn't be in that romantic kind of relationship with a child. And now that we're not in that, it's working. Like, and it works really well. Like our kid gets a lot of love and a lot of attention and a lot of direction. Yeah. And we're on the same page and she, and the child knows we're on the same page and we're not fighting. There's consistency. Yeah. And then you contrast that with a buried couple. It's just by nature, it's going to be a little bit more of a turbulent type of when you're living with someone 24 seven and you have a child. it's a different dynamic. And I don't know which, I'm not saying one's better than the other. They're different. They're just different. And good, good for you if marriage works, if your marriage works out. I've been to weddings by myself over the past several years. I'm like, I'll celebrate you, the fact that you're choosing to get married. Yeah. Hope it works just, out. But what's the underlying reason, you know? And we're getting off topic. But like, <laughs> what, what's the why? Yeah, it's especially if you're not religious, like if you're not, which I wasn't. Right. I just remember in my mind, I just thought that's just this what you do. This is what you do. Everybody else is doing it. And I don't want to be a weirdo, <laughs> you know, you're with, to get, you're with somebody for six years. Like you you have this automatic thought, at least this is the thought I had, like everything has to progress. Where is this going? Where is this going? Oh, that's can't a fun just conversation. Stay <laughs> yeah. Well, you were either growing or we're dying, right? There's no stagnation in this world, right? That kind of thing. <sighs> Such bullshit. But these are all st- storylines. They're just I mean, stories. They're just yeah. stories that we've been fed and told to believe. Yeah. Like the idea of like, you know, when you're following the masses or like, yeah. it's time to pause and reflect, you know, like anytime the masses are doing something, everybody's doing the same thing. It's time to like, take a step back and like, wait a Everyone's second. Everyone's hoarding toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. When people go to the scarcity mentality and they panic. And it's just like, okay, or we could take a step back, Mm -hmm. have a broader perspective. Yeah. And kind of talking back to the the whole corporate America thing and having your kids go to college and having your kids do this whole like checklist of these are all the things you got to do and you got to like get good grades and do this. Downstream of that, getting into corporate America and working their nine to five jobs and like doing that for 30. I'm like, that world is like slowly evaporating. Like it's more of a gig economy. 
It's totally more of a gig economy since the freelancer who's working at home. Yeah. Like, and like, so, it really, that's the direction the world is going in. People wake the fuck up. And all my it's, daughter knows is that I'm home. Like when she gets off from school, I'm at the bus stop picking her up. When I'm, I'm walking her to the bus stop in the morning, yeah. like I'm home on the weekends. I'm never, never traveling for work. Like it's just, mm-hmm. she doesn't really, again, this is all something she's seeing on the periphery because she's in her little kid head. But it is rubbing off on her. I think when she gets older, she's not, not that, that little. That's true. I guess she just doesn't <laughs> verbalize it, so like I don't think she's aware of it. But I know she is. Oh, she's yeah. And I I try to have like small conversations with her, like, well, wh- where do you see yourself doing? Like, she wants to be an actress, right? I'm like, great. You want to be an okay. actress? Sounds great. If you want to make money, how would you do it? Well, well, you own your own business. Well, maybe I'll own my own business. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's wow. pretty amazing. Okay. So yeah, think I like, I like that she's thinking in that, or I'm trying to direct her in that pattern rather than encourage, not direct. Encourage. Yeah. Just because I think corporate America is such a, it's such a soul crushing kind of existence. Well, cause you've experienced, we both experienced it. And yeah. I'm currently watching the real estate industry is still in denial. I'm like, y'all. And if you're not in control of your time, like that's the whole thing to me. That's that. It wasn't even so much the work. It was like just that, I was being told by big brother that I need to be here at nine. I need to leave at five and I got three weeks vacation and no, 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 no. This, you only live, right. You have a short life experience, like have your time. Like your time's the most valuable commodity. Mm-hmm. We all thought it was money. It's not money. Yeah, it's you need, not money. You need a certain amount, but. Money is a resource and it's a tool and it's helpful and it brings about choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money is not fulfillment. If little kids had that kind of modeling perspective, yeah, just that there's not just one track yeah. you have to go down. There's no one size fits all fulfilling life pathway. Cause you and I were not taught that growing up. Yeah. And we had to kind of figure it out as we went. And we're both in our 40s. And so I look at my nieces and nephews and I'm like, I just hope it doesn't take you quite as long to figure this out to mm-hmm. learn the understanding that you can just be who you are, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Right. And try, th- like you could try as many things as you want. Like, right. Try and see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay to let go of expectations and outcomes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. I hope she- if she gets that, man, I did a great uh, job. Yeah. Expectations yeah. and outcomes. Attachment. I kind of feel like, you know, the way I look back on my parents and like, yeah, you're right. You want every generation to kind of progress. And like the way my parents lived, I feel like I've definitely progressed from where, not just financially, but just in every aspect of like some sort of self-awareness. But then maybe it goes a step further with like the next generation where they're, I was spent a lot of my life consumed with like expectations and living a certain life and having to produce and having to live up to this role to of the cultural definition of masculinity like boys don't yes don't feel your feelings (laughs) have to be strong right emotions are weakness yeah 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 maybe like she goes the step further and like lives a life that's a little further removed from expectation and tradition you know, just, well, this is the way we've always done it. That's how corporate America works. Well, this is the way it's always been done Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's like, well, 
I know. Yeah. Maybe there's a different way of working. Yeah. Yeah. Just the idea that like, if I have time freedom, isn't that an amazing thing to accomplish? I mean, if I set my life up in a way that I can enjoy my life and have, because think about it. If you, if you work nine to five, no offense to everybody mm-hmm. out there that does this, you're spending most of your life working. Cause like a third of it's sleeping, a third of it's working. Maybe you have a third mm-hmm. to enjoy. And if you have the option, especially like in a country that we live in where you can yeah. get your time back, you know, I mean, if you could set it up so that you can and have the flexibility, right? So it's like what you don't tell your children. I don't want to like go down the same path as what every parent just feels like. You have to get good grades. You have to go to college. You have to do this. You have to play sports. You have to do that. And it's like, you have to have these extracurricular activities and you have to like, no, like how about, oh, oh talk about, yeah. Like tying self-worth to your calendar. Like, yeah. Just be occupied all the time. Ugh. Why? For what? For who? Yeah. And it's funny. It's like my daughter has this, her nature is not to be busy. Like her nature <laughs> is to like, I, like she just doesn't want to, especially now, like she's like at that point where she's sleeping until like 11 o'clock or noon mm. on the weekends. And even if, after that, she'll take a nap. Wow. That's just, she's growing. She's in that like preteen. Yeah. There's no, no fire really lit under her. I mean, certain things. She always wants to get good grades and that kind of thing, but that's on her. Like if she wants to do that. That's fine. So yeah, it's like her nature is to like, just enjoy her life, you know, and just like, whatever, it's fine. It doesn't have to be this relentless freaking rat race of just chasing the cheese. More, more, more productivity. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I hope that stays with her, at least to some extent, you know, mm-hmm. hope it doesn't, because I know for me, I was like her and then it, it was just the switch turned where it was like, now you're an adult and now this is the shit you got to do. So buck up, little camper. Let's go. <laughs> Out for you. Shitty. Complete shitty. <laughs> I mean, again, like I, I think I had to go through it to get to where I'm at now, but I wouldn't want to go through it again. I think there was probably a better way. Through the fires of life experience. Yeah. 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 If, only, if only we could tell our 20-year-old self what we have learned in our 40s. Yeah. I guess I'm... Yeah. That's exactly. If only our younger selves would be open to receiving that information. Yeah. Receiving it and actually using it and actually taking action in a direction that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I recently wrote the dedication for my first memoir, which is still waiting for me to pick it up and review the final draft of it. So I wrote for my younger self who chose to walk through the fire into the unknown. And that's very much what that book is all about, is everything I've learned. It's everything I wish she knew. Because there's people out there that are sitting in misery and questioning the unknown. So, and that's where like we, we talk a lot about it, but walking through the fire. So you have to walk through the fire because the unknown is on the other side of that fire, right? So you can't go around the fire or you got to go through the fire. The only way out is through. And so imagine like telling- Same thing with telling, fear. And you tell that to a child and it's like, you can't, you can't tell, that's something you can't, something you don't tell your child. That's actually the part- <laughs> That's a perfect ending to this because it totally makes me feel like I can't tell her any words that 
are going to, you know, walking through the fire means nothing. You have to do it. Like you just have to do it. And she's going to have to do it in her own sort of way. She's going to have her own life experiences and and opportunities for growth. And I feel like the only way I can prepare her for that is for her to see me doing it. Right. So like Glennon Doyle talks a lot about. She has to basically the way to save your children is have them witness you saving yourself. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. Right. I thought that was such a cool quote. Like just them witnessing you taking (sighs) care of yourself is taking care of them. Because when you're not taking care of yourself or you're living a freaking miserable life, then they're freaking seeing that. Yeah. And if you're not living a life of integrity and if you're when your behavior is disconnected from your words, that's sending a message. Yeah, that's it. That's literally like what it comes down to is it's, I always think, I think parents always think that I got to tell them what to do. I have to, it has to be like this interactive kind of thing where I have to like be on top of them. Like, make sure you do your homework and make sure you do this. Make sure you, no, ha- just have them witness you take care of yourself. Have them witness you going after the things you want in your life. And mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. So episode 24 is going to be about dead time. Dead time. Yes. So dead time. I read it somewhere, so I can't take credit for like coming up with like that term. The concept. But the concept is there's times in your life. um, Where you've been put on hold. Taking care of a sick relative or you're now have young children and you're on their schedule. Yep. Where like co-parenting. Co-parenting. Yeah. Where your life is put on hold. Mm-hmm. In some ways, not in all ways. Right. It's basically just a way of flipping the script on, instead of thinking, oh man, this time is just like useless. Now I'm just like in this waiting period, waiting 10 years to get to the other side of this. Instead of thinking like, this is the biggest opportunity because now I have time to dive into something, whether it be writing, a project, some creative pursuit, a hobby. A hobby the music, the drums. Yeah. Learning a new language. Like you have now time to do things that you never had time to do before because you were running around, running around, you know, like you're just on this. As we've all been put on social quarantine, we've all been like, how timely is this? We're recording this in the middle of April. Yeah. As the world has collectively been put on hold indefinitely. Yeah. Where's the opportunity? Yeah, because it, the, like, it is what it is, right? I mean, there, there's nothing that you can do about it. Like, there's nothing you can change about a quarantine. Now you have to stay home, so that there's no choice there. What uh-huh. are you going to do? What are you going to do with all this time now? How are you going to use this time? Yeah, I actually finally finished a book that I've been reading. So, which one? It's called Shameless by Nadia Boltz Weber. She is a pastor, actually. Oh, she has a great video online. Uh, a really powerful video about forgiveness. Okay. And how badass forgiveness actually is. So I got to check that out. All right. Yeah. Definitely got to <laughs> check that out. <laughs> All right. Anyway, come, so we will. Yeah. Come follow us at faconfessions.com. Like, subscribe, share, comment, review. Comments, review. Yeah. Next week, 24, dead time. Can't believe we've done 24 episodes now. It's in pure insanity. And it's actually for listeners, like the 24 episodes are just a minuscule amount of the conversation that Al and I have been having for almost a year now. Yeah. 
I mean, think about it. I mean, so we did these blog posts before we ever had these podcasts. We've been talking since the time we met. Yes. And having conversation. And I told you very quickly, I was like, I need conversation with you. Yeah. Because we were collaborating on the writing and I'm like, no, I need to, I need you to talk to me. And it, again, it feels more comfortable just to... Yeah, because then you can let your thoughts wander a little bit. It doesn't have to be a perfect blog post written as a perfect masterpiece. It could just be a conversation that floats around. It's natural and organic mm-hmm. and genuine. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, very true. All right, so we'll see you. All right, we will see you next week. 